go through a whole bunch of his miracles in high speed. Because I looked up, I hopped on Google, I'm like, how many miracles did Jesus do? I'm like, oh, let's see how many they can record. And I found a bunch of different ones, um, most of which really weren't complete anyways. I grabbed the one that had 34 listed. There was another one that had 37, but their format was just a pain. So I'm like, I'll just take this one and add a few. This makes the point, though. It says, um, his first miracle, Jesus turned water into wine. Um, or the first one that they list. But I, I got thinking about this. I'm like, well, did he go to this wedding planning to turn water into wine? It was an interruption. He's there. He's, he's, he's out there. And all of a sudden, his mom comes to him. He's like, they ran out of wine. And he's like, so? Oh, is that my problem? And then she comes to the servants. Do whatever he says. Do what he says. And he's like, go fill this bucket full of water. And they're like, what? Go fill him up full of water. And they go, all right, do it. And now take some of that water and take it to the master of the feast. He didn't say he was thirsty. And so they bring him some water. He tastes it. And he's like, this is the best wine. And, and Jesus first, this first miracle just, it was an interruption. And then as I went on, in John 4, it records Jesus shows up and the nobleman runs up to him because um, his son was sick. And Jesus is in the middle of something. And he's like, oh, hey, your son is sick. And he heals the boy. And then we find the first miracle that, that's recorded that Jesus initiated was them catching some fish. They're out there fishing, and he's like, all right, hey, go cast your net on the other side, and they catch a ton of fish. And then we find Jesus goes across, he's, gonna, he's preaching somewhere, and an unclean spirit, a demon, interrupts his sermon. This guy who's demon-possessed interrupts his sermon, so he casts the demon out of the guy. And he, he begins to heal this guy who's an interruption. And then we find out that he shows up at somebody's house, Peter's house, and his mother-in-law is sick. And so he just, oh, yeah, she's sick. I'll just pray for her real quick. And he prays for her, and then we find a spot in Mark 1, 36, it says that Jesus went preaching and casting out many demons. And it doesn't give us any details to whether that was all interruptions or while he was preaching or whether that was his whole goal and plan. But it's one of the very few that we're going to go say, that one he planned to do, because it sounds like he planned it. But I want you to notice how many of them were planned and how many of them were interruptions, how many of them were surprises, how many of them Jesus just saw people that were hurting, that were broken, and said, I have the answer. I am the answer. Let me pour out God's love and his power on you. Because then he goes and it says that he's, he's going along and a leper came up imploring him to heal him. And then we find out that a centurion comes up to Jesus because his servant was sick as soon as he enters town and Jesus heals him. And then we find that this is one of my favorite miracles. Jesus walks into this town and there's a funeral procession coming at him. And he's like, stops for a minute because there's a funeral. And he sees her weeping. And in fact, he says to the, the widow whose only son just died, he goes, don't weep. And like, he just stops and he has compassion. He's like, just don't weep. Walks up, grabs the dead kid and pulls him out. And the guy stands up and like, hey, and goes home to mom. And you go, um, you just like broke up a funeral that was going by. That just, just because you saw it, just because you had compassion, because you saw someone who was broken and hurting and you are full of God's life, love and power. And you saw things happen. And then we find Jesus calms a storm and you're like, well, yeah, this is his chance to show his power. Actually, Jesus was sleeping. He's in the back of a boat and he's sleeping and the disciples wake him up. We're going to die. And he's like, what, 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 where's your faith? Peace, be still. The storm stops. Like, um, whoa. And like, we find this where, where, when Jesus is doing most of these miracles, it wasn't that Jesus sat out one day and was like, what are you going to do today? I'm going to do miracles. It wasn't like one day he's like, you know what, today I'm just going to heal people and it's going to be cool. We just kept finding people would come to him who are sick and he's like, well, well, I don't want you to be sick. Well, well, you're broken. I don't want you to be broken. I want you to be whole. And we just, we watch this and we find 
we find it when he, when he goes and he shows up and people that are demon-possessed run up to him. We find that a paralytic um, is brought and just while he's in the middle of a sermon, they rip off the roof and lower the dude in front of him. And he looks at him and he's like, well, you guys, you guys have a lot of faith. You want to be healed. Be he- or actually, he says, your sins are forgiven. Uh, take up your mat and walk. And, and then uh, he heals him. We find that as he's, this guy comes up to him while he's in the middle of a sermon and says that his daughter is dying or is dead and wants Jesus to come and heal or raise, raise her up. And so Jesus, he takes this interruption and walks away from the sermon that he was doing. And while he's walking away from his sermon to an interruption to heal him, somebody else crawls up and this lady crawls up who had an issue for the last 12 years and reaches up and touches the hem of his garment and is healed. And Jesus stops to minister to her before he goes to minister to the person who interrupted him from his sermon. I was like, far out, that's a lot of interruptions. And then... We, we go on and we find that he heals these blind guys because he's walking by and while he's on, on his journey, on his way, they start yelling. And they're like, hey, son of David, have mercy on me. And they start yelling. And what they're doing when they yell son of David is they're going, you are the prophesied one who is to come. They're declaring him to be the Messiah, to be the Lord. And he hears them calling out. And again, he responds in an interruption, in a moment where he finds someone who's hurt and broken and he reaches out and he heals him. And we find that he's, he's again, he was, he was going away and another blind man was brought to him and he heals. And then we find, we find, oh, we, we found a miracle that he initiated. He walks and he sees someone laying by the pool of Bethesda and it says that he went up to this guy and asked him if he wanted to be healed and healed him. So okay, got to keep that one separate. That one's, then it says that Jesus... Again, he was brought somebody while he's in the middle of like teaching as a trap on the Sabbath as they bring this guy with a withered hand and go, can you heal on the Sabbath? And he turns their trap around and traps them basically and says, is it right to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? And they're like, uh, good, great, be healed. And the guy stretches out his hand. And we, we just watch that constantly he's doing something and whenever he's doing something, he sees people that are broken and hurting and he takes them God's love. And we see this guy healed. And then we find in Matthew 14 that Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick and saw, um, and then we find that they had, there was 5,000 people and he saw that they were hungry. He had compassion on them since there was no food around and he multiplied food and fed 5,000 people. And then we find a woman who wanted healing who just came up and persistently asked and he healed her daughter. Um, we find another one. And this, this goes on. I have 36 of these. Including his... Um, raising from the dead, which that one I said he initiated. Um, and the second great hall of fish and cursing a fig tree. There's five that he didn't start. That he didn't just, almost every single one, Jesus was going about doing something or he was going somewhere, or he was teaching and he saw somebody that was hurting, that was broken, that needed God's love and he reached out in love and watch their, their life be transformed. And I'm like, well, this is what our life is supposed to look like. See, growing up, uh, at least for me, it was easy to put Christianity and even more so ministry in a box. A lot of times people put Christianity in a box and they're like, well, this is what I do on Sunday. This is the religious box that I check. You know, you fill something out and they're like, you know, what are you, are you a Christian, an atheist? A, you're like, I'm a Christian, check. And you're like, well, what does that mean? I go to church, check. And sometimes people have longer checklists than others. They're like, it means I read my Bible, check. It means I prayed for my food, 
check unless I'm at school, in which case I think people might look at me, so I don't. Um, and there's so many of these different boxes that they, they check, and then they, they, they try to just reduce it to fit inside these boxes. But as I begin to look at Jesus, I'm like, there's no part of this that fits in a box. And then the thing that went further is for me to understand that Christianity is actually supposed to affect every part of your life. That was, I could handle that. I'm like, okay, so Christianity is a relationship with God where I have been forgiven. So I understand that relationships aren't meant to be on, off, on, off. If I was to, to I'm married. I can't be like, today I'm not married, tomorrow I'll be married. Today, like, that doesn't work. Um, I'd be in lots of trouble if I tried that. Like, the, you're, you're, it's a relationship. It's, it, it's a re- committed relationship forever. And my relationship with Jesus is supposed to be a committed relationship that's forever, that's supposed to affect every part of who, who I am and what I do. I, I got that. But ministry, we tend to put in a box. And we say, well, what is ministry? And you're like, oh, yeah, that's the ministry time at church. You know, when, they, when the band is playing and the worship is great and, and they, they, they ask you if you need prayer. Um, and then we go through all these spots where we have ministry defined. But when I looked at Jesus, I'm like, when we look at the ministry of Jesus and we look at them, we, we think about the ministry of Jesus as all these people that he reached out, that he touched. And you go, what box did that fit in? Can you separate Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry? Because for most of us, we want to put them in boxes, but there was no line between Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. Jesus' ministry is what happened everywhere that he went because he overflowed with the power of the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't just Jesus, because this is the example that Jesus left. Look at his disciples. I read this this morning in Acts chapter 3. I read the lead-up to a great miracle. Do you want to know what the lead-up, the preparation is for a great miracle? Peter and John were going up to. Yeah, you're like, what? You expect it to be like, you know what? Hey, we're going to go do something. You're like, you know, hey, they're going up to the temple. So maybe at the temple, they're going to do something awesome. No, they were just going to go to the temple and pray. But where the miracle happens was actually just before they got to the temple, just outside the temple gate. As they're going, full of the Spirit, going, all right, we are full. We have been seeking God, and we're going to seek God. We're going to seek to do God's will. We're going to go and pray. Just basically, we are going to go further, seek to do what God wants us to do. And they're walking along, and as they're walking, they come across somebody who's broken and hurting. They come across a beggar, and he's begging because he's crippled, and he can't walk. And so he's like, well, I got to have food, and food requires money, so I need money. So I'm going to lay here. I'm going to hold out a can, and as people come to the temple, and they're trying to feel like they're good because they're going to to stand in front of God, they're going to go to the temple there, I'm going to ask for money, and hopefully they'll give me some. And so he's sitting there, and he's asking for money, and as they they walk up, they see him, and in in short, we'll kind of bounce back and forth on this, they reach out to this guy, he's going, hey, silver or gold, he's asking for alms, and I still remember this from the King James when I was in... I have no idea what grade, but as a little kid, they just taught me this. And they're like, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give thee. I'm like, who says thee? But anyways, um, uh, grabs him by the hand and, and takes him up, and he begins to walk and is healed. And I begin to watch that this miracle was not planned. We know, we know where do we see that that morning they all got together, prayed for, and planned out to go to this guy who was outside the gate to reach him. It, says, it doesn't say they were going to the guy by the gate beautiful. It says that they were on their way to the temple. They were just going somewhere. And as I, I looked at this, I'm like, well, 
they gave, they, they, he, he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you. What I have I give thee. Because you can never give what you don't first have. You can never ever overflow with what you're not full of. And watch that, that, that what we're supposed to do, that, that this idea, this life of walking out, walking in the power is supposed to be a life where I seek God and I fill up in his spirit and I begin to overflow onto those around me. And as I rushed, I'm like, this isn't a planned thing. In fact, in Matthew chapter 10, it says, as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This idea that ministry is supposed to be an as you go in every part of your life and every day, not something that you go to one day, but everywhere that you go as you go. In fact, often we think of ministry as what happens when the band plays and is setting the setting is perfect. But ministry is what happens when someone who is full comes across someone who's in need. Ministry is connecting people to Jesus. Say that again. Ministry is what happens when someone who is full comes across someone who's in need. Ministry is connecting people to Jesus. If you are full of his presence, his love, compassion, faith, then you can overflow. And I, I just, as I was beginning to study this out myself, I'm like, God, I want to be more full of you. I want to overflow with your presence. Because so often I talk to people and they're like, I feel like God wants me to be in ministry. But the problem is that they've got this ministry in a box. So they think that if they're going to be in ministry, that means that they have to work for the church. But ministry isn't working for the church. Ministry is not what happens during a service because the band is awesome and the lighting is right. Ministry is when someone encounters God's presence. When someone who is full pours into someone who is needy, someone who is broken, someone who is hurting. And, and this idea that, that we can be in ministry. Do you know where the, one of the best spots for ministry is? Your school. And most of you guys don't think of school as the place for ministry. But if I was to ask you, are there lots of broken people at your school? You'd say, yeah. How many people? How many think there's a lot of hurting people at your school? Broken? Lonely, lost, okay, perfect. And so people go, well, but you know, hey, you know, hey, I'm out of high school, and then they think, well, now I got to get into ministry. No, you've been you've been had this opportunity to be full of God's presence and to overflow it everywhere you go since you were in high school, since you were in middle school, since you were in kindergarten. I watched. I watched. I didn't get to watch. I got to hear the story because I was at work when my wife took my three and four year old to the playground, and my son encountered a bully. And um, first, he tried to beat up the bully um, because the bully was picking on somebody. And then my wife told him that, that that's not what you're supposed to do. He's not. You know, don't just go up and beat him. You know, he's he's acting out because he doesn't have Jesus in his heart. And Benaya goes, ah. Oh. So she sees him a couple minutes later. He's walking up to the bully going, you know, you're having problems because you don't have Jesus in your heart. You need Jesus. And, and, and this, is, this is what ministry is. Ministry is simply going, I found the answer. Let me share God's love with you. And, and it's not as overly complicated. It can be done by a four-year-old, a three-year-old going, okay, let me just show you God's love. It can be done in a workplace. Workplaces are an incredible spot. I have worked... I, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of ministry in workplaces outside of Res. Before I got a job at Res, when I was roofing, um, there, there was definitely broken and hurting people that I roofed with. They're, they cussed like sailors and had lots of issues, and we 
uh, I got to minister to the people that I worked with. And I worked in a telemarketer, <clears throat> as a telemarketer. And the people that I worked with, were very, a lot of them were very broken and very hurting. And at first, they were like, they, they, they talked to me, and they just thought I was weird. Because they go, dude, what did you do this weekend? And as they just include me in the conversation. They're talking to each other. They're like, dude, I got so wasted, I don't know what I did. It's like, so what do you remember? Puking in the toilet the next day. I'm like, wow, what a weekend. Um, I call that the flu. But uh, you look and they're like, well, what'd you do? I'm like, I went to church and it was amazing. And they're like, weirdo. And like, they just kind of like wrote me off, kind of, it appeared. But you watched as I, as I worked there for a few months that they just figured out that every time that they were going to ask me what I did, it was going to have something to do with church. Because that's what I did. I'm always doing something with, with church. And they were like, yeah, but and I wasn't going to be really thrilled with their stories of how they got drunk and did something stupid. So they stopped just I kind of bragging those stories to me. And then a little while later, they started coming to me because they knew that they were broken. Because they saw that there was something different. They, they began to come up and go, okay, hey, so, you know what? Someone in my family's sick. I don't know if they're going to make it. Could you... Could you like say a pray for, prayer for me? Yeah, yeah. Would you like me to pray with you now? Oh, you can do that. Yeah. And like, because for them, it was, it, was, it was so weird, but they began to see something different. And I began to go be able to share God's love. And it was funny that at first it seemed like they were going to write me off and try to push me away because I was different. But after a while, they began to go, you know what, that different, you've got the light that I need. And then they begin to open up and then they begin to come to me going, hey, this is what's going on. My grandma's got cancer. Hey, this is what's going on. This is where there's broken in my home. This is where there's broken in my family. This is where there's broken in my life. This is where I don't know how I'm going to pay for my rent because we're not going to get paid for two days because of a holiday. And so I think I'm going to get kicked out of my apartment. And like all these different things where they begin to come to me because they saw something different because ministry is not what happens inside the church service. Ministry is what happened when we seek God, get full of his presence and go out. Ministry is what happens when we go, I will let God's light shine wherever I go. Ministry is what happens when we take the time to pray for someone when we see them and they're sick. How many times do you see somebody get hurt in sports? You guys ever seen somebody get hurt playing sports? Okay. Happens all the time. And the rest of you go play a sport. Okay. So as soon as you play a sport, I don't care if it's in like a official setting where you've got referees or if this is uh, recess, basketball, or football. Sometimes that gets very violent. Um, it doesn't matter how organized it is. If you do things long enough, you're there when somebody gets hurt. And if you go, well, I try not to do anything that's athletic. That's all right. People get hurt getting out of bed. I mean, like half the time you see somebody that's, that's all like in a cast or something, you're like, what'd you do? And they just look down you're like, mm. It's one of those lame stories. And they're like, shut up. It's walking down the stairs and I tripped. They're like, stepped outside and it was icy. And I fell. Like, oh. And like, or you get those, you're like, what'd you do? Well, I bent down to pick up something and there was a pop. And then my back was in a lot of pain. You're like, oh, lame. Like, like, it's more fun when you're like, well, I was going for this dunk over this person, and they took my feet out from underneath me. And like, well, that sounds cool. But when you're like, well, I got out of bed, and there was a toy on the floor, and I stepped on it, and I fell, and I broke my finger. You're like, oh, come on. Like, it's like a broken finger due to messy habits. Like, that's not exciting. But you have the opportunity to go, oh, can I pray for you? And 
a lot, most of the time, you'll, people will, will almost be taken back when you ask to pray for them. And then a lot, most of them will say, oh, yeah, yeah, pray for me. Expecting you at, to at night be like, God, I thank you for this day. Oh, and by the way, like, can you ease little Joey's pain? Because he broke his finger when he stepped on his toy and fell. And like, that's what they expect. And then you're like, oh, no, can I like, pray for you right now? The Bible talks about laying hands on the sick. And they're like, what? Look, I, I, I just love to pray for you right now. I'm like, well, Sure. The worst thing that can happen is they're like, I don't believe in God. Well, then they can't hurt, can it? <laughs> if they are an atheist, they have no reason, unless they think you have cooties or really bad BO. Like, there's just, like, okay. And then most of the time, I, don't, I think I've had like one or two person, people that have said, no, you can't pray for me because they were angry at God. But your job is not to fix them because you can't. But you can let God's light shine through you. And when you go, all right, can I pray for you? It's, it's huge. And we, I've seen a lot of times where, a lot of, a lot of times we think, you know what? People are going to get healed when a great pastor or evangelist pray for them. But a lot of times, it's in just simple, simple times. And it's not like I feel... Oh, oh, this one's going to be a good one. Oh, this one's going to get healed. Oh, I feel it. Like, I remember like one of them, uh, I got them, it was after a service in here, I was playing pool with, um, with a student that had just started coming with one of the kids that was in my small group. And later he got, he ended up getting involved in my small group. And he started kind of like limping as we were, he was walking around the pool table. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, oh, got a problem with my hip and whatever. I'm like, oh, can I pray for you? Yeah, like it was one of those like taken back, like well, yeah, sure, why not? Like oh, right now, I'll lay hands on you. Oh, okay, I pray for him. Cool, thanks. The next week, he's like, dude, I've been having problems with that thing for years. It's better. Like it doesn't hurt anymore. And you go, and, and in fact, I got to do his wedding this summer, and his whole entire life has been changed, mostly due to the, the boy who has invited him into our small group because he went into his school and just began to shine his light. He began, that they became close as they began to work out together. The why I worked out with them for a little while. And they, he, he began to build a relationship and go, this is God's light in me. Let me show you something different. And through this process, he goes, sure. And he began to come to church. He began to get involved in, in small group. And he began to make life-changing decisions because somebody said, sure. Someone said, I'll stand up. I'll let God's light shine through me. It's, it's so easy to think it's got to be somebody else, but what we are called to be is kind of not glamorous. Has anybody ever used an extension cord? An extension cord. Okay. Do you at least know what an extension cord is? If Raise your hand if you know what an extension cord is. Okay, if you don't know what an extension cord is, some of you guys are like, I ain't raising my hand. It's in my pocket. There, I like it. Okay, so, um, extension cord. How much power is in an extension cord? In and of itself, none. But what does an extension cord do? It connects you. It connects things. 
to the power. That is its purpose. See, an extension cord's purpose, you take an extension cord and you find an outlet that has power and you plug it in. And then you take the end of the extension cord somewhere that needs power and then you can plug power into the extension cord. As a Christian, this is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to go plug into Jesus. We're supposed to go plug in and get, begin to fill up with his Holy Spirit. We talked and we gave everybody an opportunity last week to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that when you receive the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. We find in Acts chapter 4 that they begin to pray because there was a lot coming against them. They wanted to go out in boldness. They begin to pray. When they prayed, it says that the place that they were in shook. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out and proclaimed his word boldly. And this is what it is. It's going, all right, God, fill me up. And they you plug in there, and then it goes, all right, now I'm going to take what you have over there, and now all of a sudden, all the power that God has that's over there is now available over here. Why? Because now I'm here. And I'm an extension cord. So my job is to connect whatever's over where I'm at to what's over there. That I go and I connect with him, and I begin to fill up, and then I come over here, and I'm going to go, I'm going to let God's light shine, and I'm going to be an extension cord so that I can come in contact with someone who's broken and hurting and go, boom, here's God's love. I can go to somebody who's at a lunch table all by themselves, who's rejected and feels like they're a loser, and I can go, hey, can I sit with you? I can go up to somebody who doesn't think that they're valuable and go, hey, you're awesome. I can go up to somebody who's doubting their self-image and go, you know what, you're beautiful. I can go up to somebody who's hurting and broken and show them God's love. I can go up to somebody who's sick, who just hurt themselves. I can pray for them and watch because it's not my job to heal. Because if it was, they'd all stay sick. Because I can't heal you, but Jesus can. And if I pray, I can step out in faith that I'm connected to the power source and I can plug you in and I can be an extension cord to connect you to Jesus and what he's done and to point you to the source that's powering through me. Because that's what we're called to do as Christians. It's not this thing where you just stand up on the, on the lunchroom table and go, hey, guys, I'm a Christian and you're not, so you're going to burn. So gonna, no, it, it's, it's, it's going out in love. Because you look at what Jesus' ministry was. Jesus' ministry was walking around full of God's power and love, and we constantly see interruptions in him going and seeing people. And eight times you're going to find, in, depending on your translation, that he was moved with or saw them and had compassion. That he looked at people and he saw that they had needs and he began to overflow with love and with power to them. And this is what we're called to do. And we want to see, my, my goal this year is like never before to equip and empower you to do that. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, that my job as a pastor, teacher, says pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, our job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And when I looked and discovered that ministry is filling up and then going and pouring out that which is filled up on that which is broken and hurting. It's connecting people to God's love, to God's power, to God's presence. So my job is then to help you connect to the power and to take that power everywhere you go. And to to look and go, well, what does that look like for, for you? That may look like standing up for your faith at school. It may look for like turning to the guys on the team and going, guys, I don't want to hear those jokes. Those jokes, um, are treating girl like a piece of meat. And that's not okay. It may be going, hey guys, no, I don't want to see that. It, it may be going, girls, I don't want to hear that gossip. It may be a matter of going, hey, can I just sit with you? Or it may be a matter of going, hey, yeah, come join us at our table. It may be a matter of going, hey, yeah, I can share with you because you don't have any. It may be a, a matter of going, hey, do you want to come to church with me? 
hey, we've got a fun event going on. Do you realize that we put on events not because they're fun for us? I enjoy them, but they're a whole lot of work. The reason we put them on is to help equip you to make it easier for you to invite people to church. Because some people, a lot of people, just need to be invited. They want something. A lot of them aren't connected anywhere, and they're just waiting. And when we have an opportunity to go, hey, come to church, sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll come. But it's easy when, when there's an event to go, hey, on this night, there's going to be awesome stuff. There's going to be free food. If you didn't know this, at School Spirit Night, there will be free food for you. There will be prizes. There will be chances to win things. And you can invite them and go, hey, you're going to make it easier to go, hey, we need people to represent our school. We got to come against, we have, or hey, we have to beat Granville. So come, rally the forces. All right, all right, all right we've got to. Not let them beat us. And whatever the case may be where we rally together, the, the whole goal is that we equip you to make it easier for you to let your light shine at your school. And I want to I let you know, this year, we're going to try to get into schools more. We're going to try to be a presence in schools. If you say, you know what, so this year, I want to do something in my school. If we can support you, we will. Let me know. If you're like, hey, we're going to do prayer before my school, and I don't know if anyone else is going to show up. Let me know, and I'll see if I can show up. And that we can pray for your school. If you go, hey... I want to do something, whatever you want to do. If you say, hey, I want to rise up and I want to stand up and let God's light shine in our school. I want to help equip you and empower you to do that. And if there's anything that we can do to make that happen, let us know. Because our goal this year is to empower and equip you to let God's light shine everywhere that you go. And I am excited for it. But if you say, you know what? We talk about this being connected to the power and you go, I may be an extension cord, but I'm not connected. I don't know God. I haven't received God's love, God's forgiveness. I don't even have a relationship with him. So how am I supposed to let his love shine through? Because the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. If you want to start a relationship with God, this God that's so full of love that he poured out, that he interrupted everything to heal the broken, that he came to heal the broken, to forgive the sinner, to make a way. Say, I want to receive the forgiveness that he came to make. I want to give you a chance to receive that, to make him the Lord of your life, to begin to follow him, to start this awesome journey. Can everyone bow your heads and close your eyes? If that's you and you want to make him the Lord of your life, you want to know that your sins are forgiven, that you're right with God and on your way to heaven, this is it. One, get ready. Two, three, raise up your hands nice and high. So that's me. Awesome. Who else says that's me? Awesome. And who else? Another one? All right. Awesome. All right, you can put your hands down. Most important decision anybody ever makes. The Bible says whoever calls on his name will be saved. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to call on his name. He's going to do just like he promised. So whether you raised your hand or you've already done that before, then go ahead and join me. Say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. Thank you for washing my sins away. I want to live for you. Every day. Make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Give them a big